Good morning. It is wonderful to have you here worshiping with us today. Let's all stand up and sing together. Well, today I found myself after searching all these years, and the man that I saw wasn't at all who I thought he'd be. Well, I was lost when you found me here, and I was broken beyond repair. Then you came along, you sang your song over me. beautiful day just to come and worship your name and to celebrate you Lord we pray that we'll just open our hearts and our minds to you here today Lord and we'll just follow you and we'll trust you and we'll believe in you all the days of our life in your name I pray amen where you go I'll go where you stay I'll stay when you move I'll move I will follow All your ways are good All your ways are sure I will trust in you alone Higher than my sight High above my mind 
friends here with us today. Thanks for being here. All right. Do you ever find it hard or easy to believe something that somebody tells you when you think it might be impossible? Have you ever had a friend tell you something that you thought there's no way it could be true and you have a hard time believing it? Yeah. Okay. Well, for example, if I say to you this morning, these two paper clips right here, does everybody see them in my hand? If I say to you this morning that I'm going to make these two paper clips connect without touching them, without touching them at all, how many of you will believe me? You think I can make it happen? Some of you believe me. Wow. Okay. Well, that might be hard for some of you to believe, and it doesn't make much sense, does it? How could I possibly connect these two paper clips while not touching them? You might have to say, I'm going to have to see that to believe it. Okay? Well, if I show you and you see it with your own eyes, then you're going to have to say you believe me, right? Okay. Well, after all, seeing is believing. Hudson, I'm going to ask you to hold my microphone for me, okay? All right. 
First of all, I'm going to take this dollar bill right here. It's just a regular dollar bill. You can do this trick at home today if you want, okay? Yep, it's a $1 bill. You're going to take this dollar bill and you're going to fold it into thirds, and that's three parts, okay? So I'm going to do one, two, three, okay? All right. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one paper clip and I'm going to clip it to the top section of my dollar bill. And then I'm going to take the second paper clip and I'm going to paper clip it to the bottom section of my dollar bill. If I can get it on there. Mr. Van's on standby back there just in case I need some assistance. All right, and now what I'm going to do, everybody see what I did? I'm going to take my dollar bill and I'm going to slowly pull on the two ends of the dollar bill. Okay, and I want you to watch what happens. Everybody watching? Okay, Hudson, pick it up. What happened? I got one. So, yes, okay, what do you think? Really cool, huh? The two paper clips are now connected. Now that you've seen it, do you believe it? Oh, I heard some yeses. Good. Well, sometimes we have to see something before we can believe it, right? But listen to this. On the evening of the first Sunday after Jesus had been crucified, his disciples were together in a locked room. They were afraid that those who had crucified Jesus would also want to put them to death. Suddenly, Jesus appeared there in the locked room with the disciples. It was hard to believe, but they saw him, and Jesus, Jesus showed them his wounds in his hands and on his side, so they knew that it was really him. One of the disciples, whose name was Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus appeared to them. When they told Thomas what they had, that they had seen Jesus, he didn't believe them. He had seen him crucified and buried. How in the world could he be alive? Thomas said, unless I see the wound in his side and put my finger in the holes where the nails were in his hands, I will not believe it. A week later, the disciples were in the locked room again, and this time Thomas was with them. Again, Jesus came and stood among the disciples. Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Now stop doubting and believe. Thomas fell to his knees and answered Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still have believed. You and I have never seen Jesus with our own eyes. The question is, will we be a doubter? Or will we be, will we, will we be one of those who Jesus said were blessed because they believe, even though they have not seen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father, help us to believe in our heart the truths we find in your holy word, even though we have not seen them with our eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And y'all try this trick at It is great to see all of you here and glad that you have chosen to be with us if you're a visitor today. Uh, we do hope you'll keep coming and keep coming uh, and you're invited to make this your church home if you're looking for one. We'd be glad to, to have you here. Um, do you have prayer concerns this morning? I invite you to uh, share those concerns with us and the way we do that is by Raising, our, uh, raising your hand, and we'll get you an index card in a moment, and you can write something down that you don't mind uh, for me to repeat, and I will share your concern. Speaking of things like that, I received a call last night telling me that late yesterday morning, uh, must have been close to lunchtime, uh, Mike Haas passed away. Now, Marilyn has been keeping our nursery forever and ever. Um, her husband uh, has had uh, esophageal cancer and passed away yesterday. Uh, probably the funeral will be on Wednesday, but you'll need to check the paper about that. Uh, that has yet to be arranged, so remember her today in your prayers. And we'll collect those cards from you in just a few moments. If you are visiting with, with us today, we have um, 10 o'clock Sunday school for all ages. And we'd be glad for you to stay and meet some 
some folks uh, in a small group that you might call friend one day. Uh, then we have our traditional service at 11 o'clock today in the sanctuary, and we invite you to be present for these. Children, these announcements are from Miss Katie. Um, we'll have our regular Sunday night programs tonight. We will see you from 5.30 to 7 p.m. for choir, mission kids, and Bible study. The handbell group, first through fifth graders, are reminded of their practice with Jessica, Miss Jessica, uh, in the social hall today at 5 p.m. Uh, some of our children's Sunday school classes still need teachers for the upcoming month of May. If you're willing to help, please check the sign-up sheet uh, outside the children's classroom uh, to volunteer or see Katie for more information. Please visit the Relay for Life table to see how you can support the mission kids in their spring mission project, project to uh, support the American Cancer Society. Over the next several weeks, our mission kids will be selling cupcakes for the cure, among other Relay for Life fundraising items. Come see us. And we invite you to join other Memorial uh, Family Fun Day. Uh, oh, join us for another Memorial Family Fun Day outing. I'll get it right here in a minute. This time we're going to Greenville Drive baseball game. Mark your calendars for Sunday afternoon, May the 20th, and reserve your tickets now on the sign-up sheet right outside the gym door, uh, gym doors. Tickets are $7 each, and the game starts at 4.05 p.m. See Katie Jeter or Wayne and Christy Morris with questions or for more information. We took a huge crowd over to watch the hockey match uh, a few weeks ago, so that'll be another fun outing coming up on uh, the 20th of uh, May. A couple more things. You all, I, I, some of you don't, didn't know about this, so I have to keep reminding uh, us all of this wonderful thing. On January the 1st, um, uh, Ralph um, Johnson, brain's dead here, Ralph Johnson did a children's sermon at 11 o'clock and passed out $50 bills to the children that were there. Several of us came out of the pulpit and choir hoping to get 50 bucks, but we didn't. But he gave that to them and told them the parable of the talents and told them to use the loan of that money to go and, and use it in the Lord's work and see what happened. Well, all kind of wonderful, interesting things have happened as some children are selling candy, some are baking bread. Well, Sarah Catherine Lee uh, has begun a project now that she wants you to know about. Well, number one, she's making bird houses. And the other thing she's make, uh, preparing are tomato and pepper plants. She planted the seeds and they have sprouted and she will have them uh, later today for you to purchase. I think today, I know she'll have them next week. Um, but anyway, um, remember that and we'll see what else the children can come up with. Sarah Catherine also, also makes a carrot packed carrot cake. I think that'll set you back a few bucks. But anyway, <clears throat> she'll make one of those for you too. One final note, and that is that Toby Wright is back in intensive care. Just got, got to get some uh, medicines balanced, uh, but he's improving, and we're glad for this. He has been out at the cottages for rehab from a broken leg, but uh, is right temporarily back in the hospital. Do you have your prayer cards ready? If you do, would you hold them up and our ushers will come and gather them up? Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, it is good that we can come before you and say prayers and join our hearts together. 
and know that you hear our prayers and you answer our prayers. And these are special prayers for this day. We pray for Eric Four while he's in basic training for the Navy. We pray for someone who has a new job opportunity. We pray for healing and comfort for Martha Gibson. We pray for Toby Wright. We pray for the youth mission trip coming up in July. We pray for our brother, Gary, with health and spiritual problems. We pray for healing and safety for our brother, Ron, who must have surgery. We pray for a teenage niece, Elizabeth, who faces many difficult decisions in the coming months. We pray for healing for Jane Berg. Pray for a brother-in-law with health issues. We pray for safe travels for loved ones, and we pray for parents who've lost children. We pray for someone's son and his family as they struggle through financial hardships. We give you thanks and praise that Nancy Kiefer is here today with us. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now next week, you will want to be here at this service because we have a change in schedule. And Lynn Pennington is preaching at this service. You know you want to be here for that. <clears throat> we look forward to that, Lynn. Thank you for coming to my rescue. Huh? <laughs> okay. Twilight. Before there was a movie, there was a time of day known as Twilight. <clears throat> here now our scripture reading from 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here ends the lesson. <clears throat>
Twilight is an interesting time of day that's between daytime and nighttime. Uh, the sun has either just come up in the morning or just set in the western sky. It isn't as bright outside as it was or will be at noon of the day, but it's beginning to be light enough during the twilight that we can uh, still accomplish many things. Uh, I'm told it's a good time to go fishing, among other things. It is so dark once night comes upon us that outside activities require strong electrical lights. But you remember back in the first century AD, there were no such things as electrical lights. And for that matter, in my granddaddy's house in the country, there weren't electrical lights until just a few years before he died. Uh, back in those days, you just stayed indoors once the sun set because it was dangerous to be outside. Those who did venture outside at night tended to be up to no good. They were revolutionaries or thieves or robbers. Men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil, is the way Jesus expressed that. In the ancient world, light and darkness were often used as symbols of good and evil. And we see this idea often in words of scripture. In the words of 1 John, John draws a picture of the place that I say that we live, that which I'm calling twilight, because our lives are not evil, but neither are we in perfect light. We're not perfectly good. So we're somewhere in between, as my uh, picture here shows the twilight. On one side of where we live is the perfect light where God lives. On the opposite side, we find total darkness where we talk of evil uh, existing. Somewhere in between these extremes is where you and I exist, in the twilight, and that is the reality that John is explaining to us in this opening chapter. He tells us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we continue to live in darkness, we lie to ourselves, he says, and we do not live by the truth. But neither can we claim to walk so perfectly that we are constantly in the light. We never sin. That's not true, he says. In verse 8, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10, he reiterates this by saying, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. And his word has no place in us. On the one hand, we cannot walk with God and continue to live in constant sin. But on the other hand, try as we might, we never completely eliminate darkness and sin from our lives, do we? We're always in need of forgiveness. Welcome to the twilight zone where we live. John begins his description of life in the twilight zone by claiming the source for what he's telling us and the reason for his message. The source of his authority is Jesus, who was in the beginning with God, the one John claimed to have heard with his own ears and seen with his own eyes and touched with his own hands. Jesus is the word of life which we proclaim, he says. John's authority is as a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can see the excitement in his voice in his opening verse. His reason, he says, for the message to us is to make his own joy complete by bringing us along a journey into deeper faith. It is indeed an incomplete joy whenever we keep the good news to ourselves but it's a sense of completion to our joy when we find ways to share God's love with someone that we bump into in life and share life with. And then John tells us about God's nature. God is light, he says, and there's no darkness whatsoever in him. 
Again, I remind you that the words light and darkness are being used metaphorically. God is light. He is good. I remind you of this because as a six-year-old child, I got very confused one Christmas when my Sunday school teacher uh, referred to Jesus as the light of the world and the Son of God that was born at Christmas. I wondered what people did to get around in life before the S-U-N was created a few years before I was born. That's kind of the way I thought. You know, I've always been real bright. You know that. <clears throat> but what John is telling us is that God is light. He's totally good. There is no evil in God at all. And that's just... Um, <clears throat> and his light has a way of illuminating the dark spots of our lives as well. And God illuminates our darkness in all that God's light touches. It's a good thing to remember that God is perfect goodness always. Archie Bunker was wrong. Some of you that are old enough to remember Archie Bunker. He said things like this. When population explosion threatens this world, God in his infinite wisdom sends us a war. Um, <clears throat> God is good. God sends us peace and, and prosperity. And, uh, and we are thankful that God is good toward us always. There's a refrain that I think I first heard at a Salkahatchee camp. And you will now hear it at many Methodist gatherings of, of men and women and youth. Uh, they say, the leader will stand up and say, God is good. And the people will, will respond, all the time. And then the leader will say, all the time. And the people will say, God is good. You want to try that? God is good. All the time. That's a wonderful reminder of God being the light. We never have to wonder about God's attitude toward us. God is not changeable from one day to the next, like some of the pagans believed about their gods. He doesn't change from day to day, and neither does he try to trip us up or manipulate us into whatever decisions he would like us to make. He leads us in his wonderful way. God's goodness is consistent, and we, are, we can tell we're growing in the likeness of God if goodness is something we begin to strive to achieve in our own lives and to give to others every day. One of the Sunday school classes, I believe it's the Kamek group, is, has been learning, a, a, looking at the teaching, teaching of John Wesley on goodness. John Wesley one time said, Christians should do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. How good it is to remember that in the likeness of God, we are called into lives of goodness. We are called to be like God. Then John tells us something else about the twilight zone in which we live. Since God is perfectly good, we humans cannot throw goodness away and spend all of our time pursuing evil and expect to have any kind of meaningful walk with God. If we think we can, we're deceiving ourselves. Now that's pretty straight talk, isn't it? We deceive ourselves if we think that God's, God's forgiving nature means that God isn't bothered by sin. He really is. Any loving parent is greatly bothered by the misbehavior of their children. We want the best for our children. We correct them, therefore. God is the same way. He wants the best for us. He is bothered by our sin. God is light, perfect goodness. And it's not possible to continue to live in darkness when we want to walk in the company of light. God is calling us toward the light. One of the joys of life for Penny and me right now <clears throat> is sifting through 40 years of accumulated junk in the basement and attic of your parsonage. Uh, there are notes from people from long ago. There are newspaper articles we cut out and, and kept from long ago. 
but the hardest thing for us to, to throw away as we're throwing lots of things out are the notes from our children when they were little. You know you've got some of those in your home too. We found one the other day from our son John who of course is grown now and about to be a dad himself. But this was when he was about 10 years old. He addressed a note to his mother apologizing for some childish behavior. John used to have this fiery temper and he would get upset about anything. We never knew what it was going to be that set him off. And when he got upset, it was very loud. His older sister, Hillary, would see the look in his eyes and warn us of the impending eruption by hollering, Incoming! That meant take cover, and often we had to. But when he got about 10 or 11 years old, he looked at himself in the mirror one day and made a conscious decision to grow up, to change. After that day, and after that decision, whenever he lost his temper, he would come back to the room where we were and he would apologize, or in this case, that we kept, he would issue a letter of apology. And the apology was always the same. Mom, Dad, I am sorry. That behavior does not reflect the kind of person I am trying to become. That's a pretty good prayer. Our son knew that he couldn't continue walking in darkness of childish behavior as long as he was feeling the call to the light of more mature behavior. And John, in the, the, God, the, the reading we have today, is telling us God is light and God calls us to walk in the light. We cannot expect closeness with God if we're not willing to pray, God, I'm sorry. My recent poor behavior does not reflect the kind of person I'm trying to be. But on the other end of the twilight zone is the mistaken idea that Christians are never supposed to sin, that we never will sin. We may be never supposed to, but we, the idea that we never do sin, that somehow we must achieve perfection or else we're a failure. That, too, is an era of teaching. We cannot ignore the fact that God is calling us to sin less often, but we must remember that as humans we will never be sinless. Anybody who thinks they can become sinless deceives himself, John says. In fact, John says that if we claim to be sinless, we not only deceive ourselves, we make God out to be a liar. John wants us to be sure to understand that the call to walk in the light does not mean that we must be perfect at all times or else, or else we cannot possibly walk with God. There have been far too many churches throughout history that have gotten this wrong, who have practiced excommunication of church members for the smallest infraction of rules. The minutes of the church in Edgefield, where I was uh, some years ago, the minutes from 1840 uh, at a quarterly conference state that they threw a member of the church out for criticizing another man for wearing a, a feather in his cap. Well, that's serious transaction, isn't it? Transgression. But uh, uh, John wants us to understand that as long as we're here on earth, we will be subject to temptation and sin. But we also have a remedy when we fall into sin's trap. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While we walk with God, we cannot hope to be successful keeping one foot in the light and the other in darkness. But as we strive to be good as God is good, we will nevertheless find that we're still human. We will fail sometimes, and in those cases, forgiveness is still offered to us. John promises us that God's forgiveness is always available to us when we need it. In fact, he says we have an advocate, a lawyer, in Jesus Christ who speaks to God in our defense. He is the atoning sacrifice not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. 
Back in the 16th century, the Protestant reformer Martin Luther had his own way of describing this, what I'm calling the twilight in which we live. I found this interesting uh, set of pictures this week. This is a t-shirt. It says, Saint. But if you happen to be wearing this shirt and looking down at the letters, this is what you'd see. Sinner. Martin Luther described Christians as simultaneously saints and sinners. Saints and sinners at the same time, always. When I was attending the Lutheran Seminary in Columbia, I learned that this slogan is central to the faith according to the Lutherans because this both and statement expresses who we are in God's eyes. We are saints and Luther called us that not because we've achieved perfection, but rather because our sins have been removed by the blood of Jesus. We've been set apart from our sin, and that makes us saints. But sin never totally leaves us, and so we live in a constant need of repentance and forgiveness. We remain sinners. But we are always saints at the same time, always forgiven by God as we are always sinners in need of repentance and forgiveness. This is a good description of life in the twilight. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. I invite you to stand and join me in our affirmation of faith the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Please be seated and we will worship God by giving and I would like to call your attention to the song that we're singing which is a song written by Andy. I sang that song and oh, those simpler times of faith. Won't you please come back and take me away? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound you saved a rich like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found. But is that song still about me? Altar Jesus, I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. Is that still the way I live? Those simpler times of faith Won't you please come back 
and now may you go forth walking in the light. But know that if you trip and fall, there is forgiveness always for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Have a great week.